How's everyone doing this morning? All right, so good to see you guys. Remain standing with me as we go to the Word of God today. We're going to go to Luke chapter 17 as we go there. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. This is what the Word of God says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the borders between Samaria. Am I on? Yeah, you can't hear me. On the, sorry about that. I'm having some difficulties here. Verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was Samaritan. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, thank you for the blessing of being in your house and learning your word and worshiping you and gathering with our brothers and sisters here today, Lord. Father, I just ask that you would use me now to teach your word. and Father, bless us with your, your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. And now you guys can have a seat. As I was reading this passage of Scripture this week, it grabbed my attention because I was reading about these ten men that had leprosy. Now, if you know anything about leprosy in that time, it was one of the worst things that can happen to you. It was one of those things that you never wanted to confront. In fact, the book of Leviticus says something about it. In Leviticus chapter 13, beginning at verse 45. And this is what the Word of God says. But in Leviticus chapter 14, it says, The person with such an infectious disease must tear his clothes, let his hair be unkept, covered, the lower part of his face, and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as he has an infection, he remains to be unclean. But notice this, he must live alone. He must live outside of the camp. This is how bad leprosy was. It was so bad that if you had it and someone came near you, you had to yell out, hey, I have leprosy, and everyone would scatter. You had to be outside of the village by yourself with other lepers maybe. In other words, if you had leprosy, you lost everything of your livelihood. You lost your family overnight. You lost your job. You lost everything you were familiar with. And you weren't sure if you were ever get back to normal. You weren't sure if you were ever going to be healed. So when you had leprosy, your life was destroyed. And Jesus now is walking by Samaria. And as he's walking, you see that these lepers begin to cry out to him with desperation because maybe they want their lives back. Maybe they want their families back. Maybe they just want some peace and they want some change. So they said, Jesus, Jesus, please heal us. We want change. We don't want to live like this anymore. Because according to the book of Leviticus, it says, as long as it remains... You have to stay outside. Now what I love about this passage is that Jesus wasn't even supposed to be in Samaria. What happened was that a few chapters ago, Jesus had healed Lazarus. You know Lazarus, the one that was dead for four days and Jesus just shouted out, Lazarus, come forth, and he got up from the dead and there was a mass miracle and word spread out about Jesus and you would think that everyone would celebrate and everyone would be happy, but there was a group of people that actually was so upset about this, they wanted Jesus dead and they plotted to kill him. 
So Jesus said, let's go somewhere where no one would ever expect us to be. That's why Jesus ended up in Samaria, because Jews did not go to Samaria. Now imagine this, you have that leprosy. You hear that there is a man, a Jewish man, that just finished healing someone. Imagine the hope, imagine the dream as you begin to sit there and say, man, how great would that be if such a man would heal me from my leprosy? What a blessing that would be if if such a man would ever come. And I can imagine one of those lepers just saying, oh, come on, stop that. You know that Jews don't come here. You know that the odds of a man like that coming to Samaria, looking at us all leopard, he, stop it. Stop dreaming. Things aren't going to change. We're going to stay this way, so get used to it. One day, that very man that did that healing is walking by. Now, church, I ask you, what would you do? Do you see why these men, they couldn't believe that Jesus was there, but you see, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter the state of your situation, when God wants to do something in your life, He makes it happen and He works all things together. So through the plotting and the killing and the threat and the moving to Samaria, God was making it so, so that these men would be healed. God has a plan. God has a way of making things happen. But what I love about this verse in Leviticus, it says, as long as it remains, he must stay that way. And I thought about this question. What is it in your life that as long as it remains, you'll never have peace? What is it in your life that, as long as it remains, it will continue to destroy your marriage? What is it in your life, like leprosy, as long as it remains, will never bring the blessings of God to your life? What is it in your life that, as long as it remains, you'll continue to suffer, struggle, Is it an attitude? As long as that temper remains, you're going to really mess up your relationships? Is it a habit? As long as that addiction remains, you're going to continue to hurt yourself and hurt others? What is it in your life that you say, as long as this remains, my life will never change? When I look at these leopards, they were healed. They saw change. Just like we want to see change in some area in our lives. You want to change in your home, you want to change in your marriage, or maybe your children, your health, your finances, your spiritual walk with God. There is not one person here that I'm convinced doesn't want change in somewhere in their life. In fact, if you want some change in life, show me your hands. Everyone. And I love it because when we want change, what do we do? Uh, Well, we pray. And we ask God, change it. Change it now. Fix it. But see, when I noticed these men, they changed. They were healed. Jesus did a miracle in their lives. He did the impossible. But as I really read it, I realized that there were four things these men did that brought significant change in their lives. And it got me to realize that without these four things, you will never be where you want to be. And you will remain where you're at. How many of you want to remain where you're at right now? How many of you want to change and say, God, I want God to do something different? 
Amen, right? We're like, yes. Preach it, Pastor. I am, but you're not going to like it. As I read this, I didn't like it. Because it's a lot easier for me to preach. You want change? Believe it and ask for it. And I'll be robbing you. Because a real significant change in your life is more than just believing for it and asking God for it. So I pray that after this message is over, we're still friends. I want you to pick something up here. The first thing they did. Verse 13. Notice this. Verse 13. They called out to Jesus. Isn't, isn't that what we say in the church? Call out to Jesus. I've said it. I've preached it. I've done it in altar calls back in the day before COVID that we had altar calls. I said, you just need to call out to Jesus. Just call out to Jesus. And that's right. If you're in trouble, if you need salvation, if you need help, if you need restoration, the very first thing before you do anything, you call out to Jesus because you have a God that will hear you and answer. You call out to him. You call out. But notice, they called out, Jesus! That's the call out. But notice what they, they asked. They didn't say, Jesus, heal us. They didn't say, Jesus, restore us. They said, Jesus, yes, have pity on us. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Is pity going to heal you? Is pity going to fix this? Is pity going to bring change to your life? And y'all are like, no. Then why do you think it will change yours if you begin to live a life of pity? The first thing you need to do to see change in your life is you got to stop being so pitiful. Stop being so pitiful. It's sad. We're so sensitive now. And I know the ones that don't like it, like, I don't like this. It's just, you're pitiful. That's why you don't like it. You got to stop with the pity. Every time the devil invites you to the pity party, you accept. You'll be there. And you just live your life with this pity that life is hard only for you. And everything's been so difficult only for you. And you don't know what I've been through. And you don't know how people have hurt me. And you don't know. You just don't know. You don't know why I can't go to church. Why? Because I've been hurt by the church. And Pastor, you don't know why we're struggling in our marriage because my wife and then my, my husband and, and me and, and, and it's my job and this and that. And some of you are silent pitiers. You don't say a word, but you want people to know through your body language that you're sad or hurt or struggling. You're like, huh. Huh. Walking around sad, moping. Your conversations are all about how bad things are. This new normal. When are we ever going to go back? You talk and you just talk about things that will ne- you can't even fix. It, it's just so hot. In Miami, it's so hot, you can't fix that. Stop complaining. Everyone alike, even Christians, have become so pitiful. We just walk around with pain. You know what it is that you have Jesus in front of you and he can change everything and the first thing you ask of him is to have pity on you? Because that's what we like. We want to be the victim of this tragic story called life. We want to complain. We want to rope around. We want to be sad. We want to post dark 
things on our Facebook about how difficult life is and everything. We just want people to know. We talk about the sadness. We feel sorry for ourselves. And we have this self-pity. And all the time we're just moping around. And the reality is, if you continue to live a life of pity, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. But it's very also you're... It's so dangerous because you're missing the real blessings of God. Being pitiful does nothing to change your life. It doesn't. Oh, but I I vent. No. It's pity. They just say, Lord, have pity on us. And then, you know, sometimes life is hard. It's hard on all of us. You're not the only one. Life is hard for every church right now. Life is hard for every community right now. We're all in this right now. But sometimes you think you're the only one. So you convince yourself that you need to be sad, you need to be discouraged, you need to walk pitiful and and feel like you have just been a victim and you've been destroyed and There's no way that God can bless or even fix your life if you convince yourself you're that broken. Life is hard. Let me show you that life is take you back about a thousand years to a church like ours. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 7, I want you to see this. Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. Talking to a very discouraged church who's been persecuted for their faith, by the way. And Paul, he agrees. He's not saying get over it. He's saying, yeah, we're hard-pressed. How many feel hard-pressed right now? That's pressure. You have pressure to raise the kids, pressure to pay bills, pressure all over, pressure on top of pressure. You're trying to release the pressure, but you can't because pressure just comes. I'm under a lot of press. And Paul said, listen, I know, we're pressed on every side. You ever feel like pressed everywhere? But he says, but you're not crushed. He said, you're, yeah, we're perplexed right now. That means confused. Some of y'all are confused right now. You're like, God, I don't understand this. God, this makes no sense. God, how is is God going to use this? They were confused. But he says, you might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. Despair means that you're completely hopeless. He said, yeah, we're persecuted. How many know people can be mean? People can be hurtful. Everyone's been hurt by somebody. Paul says, yeah, we've been persecuted. But you haven't been abandoned. Oh, yeah, we've been struck down. Some of you, you've been struck down. Something hit you hard. You're like, man, 2020, all of us got struck down. Not for me, it was 2017. All of us have been struck down. Some of you are so pitiful. You're like, yeah, for me, it was 1982. I'm still not over that. I've been struck down. How many of you have been struck down before? You know, you're struck down as a, you're like honest to yourself, man, that one, that one hurt. That one hurt. He says you're not destroyed. You know what Paul's telling this church? Paul's saying, no matter what you've been through, you're still here. Oh, it was challenging. It was unfair. I know it hurt. I know it was confusing. But you're still here. And God is using this like a treasure. There's something valuable about what you went through. That's why he says in the first verse, he said, we have this treasure in earthly vessel. And let me explain the earthly vessel through this bucket. You see, an earthly vessel, it was a little, it was a jar, it was a, sometimes it was a bowl, but the earthly vessel 
was a multi-purpose item. In fact, the earthly vessel sometimes was used to store stuff. But did you know that sometimes the earthly vessel was used, practically all the time actually, as a toilet? It's where you did your, your business. The earthly vessel was such a common, invaluable item. And God said, I know that sometimes the things in life seem worthless. I know that sometimes what you go through seems useless like an earthly vessel. But there's a treasure in it. There's something valuable in it. So imagine this bucket. Imagine it's Christmas now. And I love these buckets. You know why? Because I use these buckets to store stuff. How many of you have done that before? You use these to store, right? All right. You know what else I use? It's magical. Ready for a magic trick? I'm about to turn this bucket of storage into a toilet. Because when I go camping, voila, a toilet. Some of you, how many of you have done this before? You're like, we got some country folks in our church. But then you know what else? I can turn it into a trash can that I've done before. But see, it could be a storage, it could be a toilet, it can be a trash can. If it's Christmas and it's time for church and I see you and go, hey, I'm excited, I got you a present. You ready? You ready? You ready? Yeah, yeah. Ah, here you go. You'd be like, this is a joke, right? Why would you give me this? What am I going to do with this? Do you even love me, pastor? Seriously, after everything I've done for you in the church, this is what you're going to give me? And I go, no, but it could be a toilet. It could be this. And you're going to be like, I don't care what it is. I don't like this. But now, how many of you would be really excited if I gave you this for Christmas? Maria will, I know. But I gave her one. I gave you one for Christmas. Yes, but now, imagine no one but Maria raised her hand. But imagine now, see this $100 bill? And I put it in there. And I say, I got you this for Christmas. How many want the bucket now? Yeah. Did the bucket change? Nothing about the bucket changed. Before, you were complaining about it. You were mad at me for it. But when you saw that I put the $100 bill in it, you saw that the value just went up. And you're like, all right now, while we're talking. And God gave this illustration to the church a thousand years ago. By when he said, we have this treasure in earthly vessels. You know what he's saying? On the outside, it's going to look like a bucket. On the outside, you're going to complain about what I gave you. On the outside, you're not going to see the purpose. On the outside, you're going to think it's useless what you're going through right now. I know it seems unfair. I know you're mad at me. But on the inside, if you can see the value of what I'm about to bring about your situation, you wouldn't be so pitiful. You wouldn't complain so much. It's all about your perception, how you choose to view what you're going through. And that's why being pitiful is not going to do anything because it stops you from viewing what God is doing and seeing the value and what God can bring. Do you get it now? Let me put this back in my pocket. Some of you are eyeing this thing. So the first thing you have to do is get rid of the pity. You're still here. Can we give God praise right now that you're still here? You're still here. Yeah, you're wounded. You're hurt. 
You're struggling. You're here. And you know why you're here? Because God still has a purpose for you. And there's something valuable in it. So next time you're going through something, remember the bucket. There's something in it, valuable. So once you, you really say, okay, I'm going to stop being pitiful. Thank you, Pastor. Got it. It's not, we're not even done yet. The second thing these lepers did to see change is they had to stop with their pity. Verse 14, they go to Jesus. Jesus goes to them, actually, and he says, when he saw them, notice he didn't join their pity party. Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry you went through your leprosy. You lost your job. You lost your family. Oh, my God, come here. Oh, no, don't touch me. Come here. No, seriously, Jesus didn't join their pity. So when they went to Jesus, there's one word that Jesus said that, that offended me, and I'm not the one with leprosy. Can you guess what the word is? Go! You got it. Go! You know why this would have offended me, honestly? Because I heard what you did for Lazarus. These men heard what Jesus did for Lazarus. And these men knew that Lazarus didn't have to go. Jesus just showed up and said, hey, come out of there, and he just walked on out. And I hate sometimes in life, I feel like God does that for other people, but not me. I hear testimonies that we say, oh, I prayed, and I was healed, and what happened? No, that's it. God was great. I'm like, really, God moved that fast in your life? Oh, yeah. You ever feel like for other people, God just says, hey, yeah, get out of there. And you're like, okay, I'll get out of this debt. I'll get out of this sickness. I'll get out of this marriage crisis. Yeah, and then when you say, okay, I'm going to ask God, hey, God, yeah, can you fix me? Yeah, okay, do it. Go. No, 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 God, you didn't understand me. I, I heard that when you healed Lazarus, you just, you just cried out and said, hey, come out. Can you just... Called this leprosy to come out? And Jesus said, no, you can go. You know what this means? Valuable lesson. Take notes. Stop looking at what God's done for others, thinking he's going to do it for you that way. But here's the good news. Sometimes, God may not do things the way you wanted him to. Sometimes, God is going to ask of you something first before he can move in your life. But regardless of what that is, the good news is God can still bring amazing change into your life. But sometimes, we just want to pray. We're in church. I'm a huge prayer advocate, of course, but you know it's not the only thing you do. Some of you are praying for something, but what if God can't answer that prayer because he's ready for you to go and move and do something first? This is called action. The Bible says in James that faith without actions is dead. I love what James says here in verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, no works, no, no action? Can such faith save him? I love how God asks, what good is it? Because God is looking at your life right now, and he said, I hear you praying. I hear you asking. I hear you have the faith that I can do it. But what good is it if you're not going to do anything about it? It's easier for you to say, God, fix it. God, change it. God, heal it. God, do it. But God is going to say, yeah, okay, but what are you going to do? No, I want the Lazarus effect. I just want to wait and be here and you just do it for me. And some of us remain in where we're at because you have a lot of faith but not a lot of works. You're not doing anything about what you want God to do for you. Let me illustrate this. I know you guys are visual learners. I'm going to pick up this vase here. Or vase for you yuppies. 
Can you imagine now I'm asking God, please, Lord, I really love this vase. I love it. Thank you, Lord, for my vase. Lord, I just pray. I just pray that you protect my vase. Help this vase remain intact. Lord, I just really pray that, that this vase remain and keep it there and just... Why did it break? I pushed it off the edge. But you know why it broke? I was saying one thing while doing another. And that's, that's what some of you guys do. You ask God to change something, but you're living on the edge. So you're saying, for example, Lord, Lord, I love my marriage. Thank you for my spouse. Protect our marriage. Bless our marriage. You're, you have the Lazarus syndrome. You're just thinking God's just going to poof and your marriage is going to be amazing. Like some Nicholas Sparks movie, you know? Blah. And you're saying, Lord, heal my marriage. Bless my marriage. And you're saying this, but all this time you're disrespecting each other. You're not spending time together. And when you do, it's just a fight. And you no longer really just value one another. And you're at each other's throats and you're on the edge. But all this time you're saying, Lord, bless us. Please fix us. Please, Lord, change us. And then the marriage falls apart. Because did I not ask God to bless it? Did I not ask God to fix it? Yeah, I'm saying it, but I'm doing something else. You're saying, well, Lord, Lord, help me not to break this vase. I love this vase. Lord, help me protect it, guard it. And then I notice, wait a minute, too close to the edge. Let me go back. What happened now? I, I was praying and, and I was asking and I was believing, but I also took action and I did something about it. We have too many lazy Christians that are great at asking God for stuff, but they don't want to do anything about it. You want God to bless your marriage? He will ask Him to, but in the meantime, work at it. Take her out. Respect one another. You're saying, well, God, okay, Lord, I love my children. Bless my children. I want godly children like Pastor David. Lord, please. Protect them. And then all this time, you're like, Lord, just fix my family. Fix my marriage. Fix my kids. Fix it, Lord. I want them to, to love you. I want them to serve you. I want them to be in ministry. I want them to be in the faith, Lord. And all this time, you know what you're doing? You're not even taking them to church. You're not even praying with them. You're not even reading the Bible with them. And when you're at home, you're, at, you're a bad example. And you're just living wrong. But you're still praying for God to really, God, God, please give me godly children. But all this time, you're not even doing anything to develop them in their godliness. And then they get old enough. They fall off the edge. They want nothing to do with God, they just turn from the faith, and you say, Lord, why? It's because God said, because all this time you were asking me to do something about it, you were doing something else. It takes action to see your life change. But see, what happens with action is that it takes work. You're saying, God, fix my finances. What you're asking God is just for money. Let's be real. Let's be real. If you were tied the money you spent on your lottery ticket, I'm assuming God might do something. Stop scratching and start giving. <laughs> we're saying, Lord, fix my finances, fix this, Lord, heal. Lord, give me a breakthrough financially, but you still want to buy the purses, you still want to put everything on credit card, you still want to eat out every day, and you're asking God to fix your finances, you're believing He can, but you're doing nothing about it. How would your life change if you 
would continue to ask and believe in faith that God can do it, but evaluate your life and say, you know what, but I can also do something about this. I could fix this. I could change this. Can you imagine that these lepers went to Jesus and said, can you heal us now? And Jesus said, yeah, go. I need you to to do this. They needed to go and obey, and they needed to do something. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but maybe the Lord is impressing on your heart through the Spirit that you're believing Him for something, you have faith He can change you, but God is also saying, but you know what? There's things that you can do that you don't need me for. There's things you got to start doing. There's things that you need to go and do. Go. Come on, scream six feet apart to your neighbor. Go. Just go. Do something. See, these men had to go from pity. Okay, we got to start doing. And this is where the devil starts playing with you. See, there's three stages. There's the go stage. That's where we just talked about. The go stage is where we make a decision to start making decisions. It's it's when we start making choices to say, okay, I need to stop doing this by doing this. I'm going to change that by changing that. I'm going to take action. So I got to stop hanging out with him. I got to stop calling her. I got to stop doing that. I got to change that channel. I got to cancel that service. I got to do this and do that. And you start going and going and take action because God's saying, yes, you believe, you're praying for it. You know I can do it, but there's other things in your life you don't need me for. Go. So when you want to, and you just say, okay, okay, God, I'm going to do it. Some of you, you're going to go after this service. I'm going. Pastor, bless you, brother. Thank you. I'm going to go. Babe, let's go on a date now. We're going to go. Kids, come here. We're having a Bible study. We're going. You know, we got to start making action. Taking action. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm losing the weight. The COVID-19 pounds are gone. Gone. I'm going. Ja, I like it. And you know what happens on Monday? Monday comes. And you realize, man, it was so easier to say it than do it. That's the next stage. Verse 14 is the go stage. Make a choice. Do it. Verse 14 again. Notice, when he saw them, this was after the pity party. Get oath. Number one, get out of your pity. Number two, go. Start making changes. Show yourself to the priest. And here's a, the third stage. It's the, called the going stage. You go from go to going. The going stage is the Bible says, and as they went... They were cleansed. The Bible doesn't say they were cleansed right away, does it? What does it say? As they went. You know what that means? They went and saw nothing. They went and were still sick. Oh, they went and they were still leprous. But the real healing king, as the Bible says, as they went, they kept going. You go from go to going. So Monday comes, and you made the decision, we're going to go, we're going to do this, and there's no change. Wait a minute, I'm still fat. Wait a minute, I haven't changed. Wait a minute, she's still evil. Wait a minute, he's still evil. Wait a minute, nothing's changing. Wait a minute, I'm still kind of addicted to it. Wait a minute, and you go, okay, I'm going to keep going. i got to keep going. Because the devil, this is where he gets you. He doesn't care that you're doing the, the go stage. Make all your declaration. What the devil cares is that you keep going. You keep going. you got to make a decision. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to get closer to this God. I'm going to get closer to Jesus. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going and reading my Bible. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep going and going and going. And some days, it's going to feel like you're making progress. Other days, reality hits and you realize you haven't. And But you
You keep going. The Bible says, as they went. You know what I realized about this passage? It wasn't just the faith to go, like we, as often preached. The real change came when they had the faith to keep going. Are you with me? To keep going. That's where Christians really get attacked. When, when you're praying for God to heal them and, and you haven't seen any change in their health or their spirit or nothing, you're asking God to really bring that prodigal child back home. You're asking God to restore that marriage and nothing and nothing and nothing keeps happening. Will you keep going? Will you keep praying? Will you keep loving them? Will you keep trying? As they went, I don't know how many steps it took. You know why the Bible doesn't mention how far they went until they were cleansed? Because change that we all go through, we all go through change. We all need change. But not everyone changes at the same pace. Not everyone changes at the same step. So you might see someone say, well, I got saved like my dad. My dad, the second he got saved, he, he, he quit cigarettes. He quit. And then I meet other people that quit after five years, 10 years, 20. But they kept going. And change happened. The question is not, how long, Lord, do I change? The lepers didn't go, how many more steps? How far do we got to go? How, when is this going to happen? When are we going to see the change? Stop asking God that. Stop asking God when. And start praying, Lord, help me to keep going. Help me to keep going when I'm discouraged. Help me to keep going when I want to strangle him. Help me to keep going when I've lost faith. Help me to keep going when I'm not in the mood to pray. Help me to keep going, Lord, when I feel fleshy. Help me, Lord, to keep going. See, my prayer is not that you go. You know, some of us right now, we say, Pastor, I'm going. My prayer for you is that you keep going. That's what I'm praying for you, that you keep going. So here's the deal. Today, make the decision to go. And I'm going to go at, be at home every morning praying for you that you keep going. Is that a good deal? Keep going. Because eventually you're going to be walking and walking. And you know what the next stage is? You go from go to going to gone. The leprosy left. And you'll never get to the gone stage until you have the faith to endure the going stage and make the decision to get to the go part. So let's put it all together. All right, pastor, I see you. I got you. I'm going to change. That's it. This marriage, it ain't going to end in divorce. These kids will serve the Lord. Belt or Bible, what do you want? I'm going to change. This addiction, this habit, I'm going to change. Pastor, I love the testimony. It took your dad one day. I'm still a little chimney. I know I'm the body, my body's a temple. My temple, I installed the chimney. I'm still smoking. Okay. Now go. Take the steps. Because I believe maybe... In one day, or one week, one year, ten years from now. I don't know. But one day you're going to keep going. And you're going to look back and realize the very thing you struggled with then is gone. That's why I love our church. Sometimes. I love our church. Because when you walk into forward, you might be the worst of the worst, but you ain't leaving that way. 
Only, here's the deal, you got to stay. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. You know what I love about the process of going? It means that these leopards, they went, so it means that they're not where they used to be, but they still, they haven't arrived to the priest. They haven't arrived to where they need to be. Some of you are there right now. I'm not where I, where I need to be. I, I know I need to be over here, Pastor. I know I got to stop cursing. I know I got to stop smoking. I know I got to stop drinking. I know I got to stop this attitude. I know I got to change my marriage. I know, I know, I see it. But you know what I value when I love our church? Because we have people that haven't arrived, but it, honestly, I've known you from the beginning, and you're not where you used to be. You're not where you used to be. And I look at you and I say, wow, Really? You only said one curse word this week? Man, back in the day, you were a sailor. That's progress. What, you mean you're down to one pack? When you used to smoke six? Keep going. You mean you cut the credit card? You mean that you didn't go and buy it because you didn't have the money for it? You mean you're saving for it? Keep going. Because one day, you're going to go from go, going, to pastor, it's gone. It's close. It's gone. Finally, it was gone. But you know why it was gone? Because these men were lepers. Their life was falling apart, maybe like yours. They've lost hope. They wanted restoration. They wanted change. And one day, there was Jesus. And they called out. The first thing you need to do, if you want to see change, you need to call out to Jesus. And maybe you're here, you're listening online, and you don't even know what I'm talking about. Let me explain that. All of us are sinners, are we not? And all of us need forgiveness, and all of us need to see that restoration in our lives. And God is willing to do it because He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. And if whoever believes in Him and surrenders their life to Him and asks the Lord to forgive them of their sins, He will save you. You call out to Jesus. These lepers just called out Jesus. That's good, you called out. But then they changed because... They stopped being pitiful. You came into this church and pitiful. Will you leave church that way? You're going to keep crying at night? You're going to keep telling people how bad life is? You're going to keep being negative? You're going to keep criticizing? Are you going to keep being such a downer? Move from pity. And when they moved from pity, they said, Lord, we, we, need, we want what you did for Lazarus. And he says, yeah, I can do that for you, but I ain't going to do it how I did it for Lazarus. I'm going to make you work for it. Go. Some of you need to make that decision to go already. Start making the changes and then keep going. And as you keep going, it will be gone. Are you willing to put this message to the test? With every head bowed and every eye closed today, as we leave this church, I don't know what it is, but you want it to change. I don't know what it is, but you're saying, God, I want this gone. If this remains, it's going to destroy my life. And I want it gone. And God is saying right now, it will be gone. But you're going to have to make some changes. You're going to have to start going. You're going to have to keep going. 
And I promise you it's going to be gone. So whatever that area of your life is, would you make that declaration today and that choice to say, Lord, I'm going to go. It's time for me to get out of here. I'm tired of this. I'm going to make the changes. And I'm going to keep going, but I need your help to keep going so I can see this gone. If that's you this morning, I want you to put your hand up. I want to pray over your life because when you are keep going, it's going to be hard, but you've got a church and a pastor that's going to pray for you this week, every day, to keep going. You call the church office and complain, Pastor, I can't do it. I want to say, keep going. Keep going. Don't be so hard on yourself. God's not done with you. You have treasure in that jar or bucket so you can remember. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person here that wants to go, that wants to move from that area of life that they're tired of. I pray in the name of Jesus for every addiction to go. I pray for every person dealing with unforgiveness to go. I pray that bitterness and anxiety and depression go. Father, give us the strength to keep going, not to lose hope, not to give up, but to surrender to you strength, to keep going when we're down, keep going when we fail, keep going when we're tired, keep going when we don't want to go anymore. Help us to go and keep going so that this could be gone, so we can walk in freedom and deliverance. Father, forgive us for our pity. Forgive us for just asking you of one thing while we do another. And help us to take action, to make changes. And I pray for every person here, Lord, that this be the Sunday that they go, that they keep going, so that one day it will be gone. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Give the Lord some praise today from the house of God. I want to thank you guys for joining me in that sermon today. How many were blessed by that message today? I know that some of us needed that. So as you go, keep going. I'm going to be praying for you this week.